If you have your Bibles, uh, normally we walk through one passage of scripture. We call that expositional preaching. It's where you take one passage of scripture and you just mine out all the truths that are in that. You expose the truths that are in that. But today, I wanna do something a little bit different. Uh, we're gonna bounce around a little bit. We don't normally do this. And so if you're a guest with us, just know we normally just cover one book or one passage of scripture. But today we're gonna jump a few places uh, specifically because we're starting a new sermon series today. And we're gonna be talking uh, about a subject I think is vitally important, not only in our personal lives, but in the life of, of, of our church. So let me ask you this. What comes to mind when I say that we're gonna have a sermon series on stewardship? Someone's at work. <laughs> Money, all right, money normally comes to mind. And if you've been around a, a lot of churches for a while, typically it's either uh, tithing or building projects. You're like, oh boy, here we go. He's talking about stewardship. We're about to build something. Uh, we're about to go into some type of program because typically that's what happens and that's when we talk about stewardship. We're like, you know what? Talking about stewardship, we're probably getting ready to build a building and we're gonna have to raise some uh, capital campaign or raise resources in some form or fashion or he's about to hit a tithing sermon series. And, and it's sad because stewardship is way bigger than that. And so what I wanna do is I wanna look at what the Bible has to say about stewardship and the wholeness of understanding what it means to, to be a steward. Uh, so we're gonna have a sermon series on stewardship. It's gonna be good. It's called All His. Ultimately, what we're looking at is how can we have a fully surrendered life? Because what you're gonna find is that stewardship is directly linked to lordship. And so we're gonna talk about how both of those are there. So if you are joining and getting back in with us in this new year, man, what a great time to start as all of us look at what it means to be a, a steward. If you're one of our college students that are home uh, just for this a little bit of time before you launch back, man, we love you guys. Amen, church. Uh, why don't we just, we love you. Uh, we are praying for you. We're thankful for you. And we want you to continue to, to be a light in the darkness and to be a difference maker on your campus. And we're thankful for you. So uh, you can continue to watch online for those who are streaming. We're excited that you're joining in with us. Share it. But more than anything, we hope it's a front door for you coming and, and joining us and being a part of, of what God is, is doing here. Now, I believe almost every issue that is found in the Christian life and in the life of a church ultimately boils down to a stewardship issue. Many of you are going through difficulties and trials right now that are directly linked to you and I being the stewards of what God has called us to steward. I can see this in my own life. It's one of the biggest struggles that I'm gonna challenge. How do I steward being a dad, being a husband, being a pastor? How do we do these things? And there are big battles that are in that. I also realize that this can be a very difficult sermon series because of the way that it flies in the face of almost everything that we have been taught through the American dream. Now I say that because you're like, well, no American dream has ever taught me anything. But by being raised in America, uh, by being raised in the blessings that we have as a country, you can't help but to catch part of the American dreams in our life. And it takes the word of God in a lot of ways to, to reprogram the way that we think about resources. Let me give you a, a, maybe an example of this. Uh, being raised in America, we're just used to having water everywhere. Over the last year, I feel like it's really just come from the sky a whole lot. I mean, it's like just rain every, all the time. I mean, we got streets flooding right now, rivers, creeks flooding right now. And the reason is because we just, we have a lot of water. I mean, honestly, honestly, who woke up this morning and thought, man, I wonder where we're gonna get water from? 
We just don't think like that. I mean, we just know. I mean, most of us, we're like frustrated when we run out of bottled water and we're like, oh, I gotta drink it out of the sink now or out of the refrigerator. I mean, it's like the worst thing ever. And so because there's so much water in America and we can get to water all the time, you don't understand it until you go to somewhere like Israel. And as I'm there visiting, I'm realizing, man, their entire world system is built on us having enough water to live that year. So what they did, they, big, they dug huge holes in rock so that when it's the rainy season, that it'll fill up those big cisterns so that they have enough water to make it through the year. And then a drought is when it doesn't get enough water that one season that they get rain and water. And so when you hear passages like when a deer, as a deer pants for the water, so I want my soul to long for you. For us, we don't understand it because there's water everywhere. I mean, okay, a deer goes against water. He walks like out of the woods to get it. Like that's how I want my soul to long for God. No, over where they're at as a deer longs for water that they might not have that they need to live, that it might not be a, you know, months until they get it win. So I want my soul to long for you. We don't understand it because, well, we live in a different place. In a lot of ways, because we are so blessed as in a country, as we have so much thinking about stewardship, it's a little off because, well, we're, we're American. We just have a lot. So what I'm praying through this, is it really that God's gonna teach us from his word what it means for him to be the Lord of my life? I just wanna learn, God, what does it mean? And, and let me just, I'm, I'm being clear here, I'm asking God to teach me this. And understand this, church, every sermon series I bring to you, it's because I want God to first teach me. And God has to first hit my heart with it before it can ever get to you. That's why I wanted to preach through the Song of Solomon series. I mean, we are dealing with a culture that is so sexually revolutionized that I, I wanted to make sure that I understood the word of God in a way that I can teach and equip and help people battle that, and I think stewardship is a big area that we, I don't know that we fully understand it because immediately our mind goes to, okay, he's gonna tell us to give 10% of our income to the Lord. Well, it's a little bit different than that, so let's get into it. To steward is to manage something on someone's behalf. Think about maybe a Bible story would be uh, Joseph in the Bible, how he was called to steward Potiphar's house, how he would then be, he would rise in the ranks and would be second in command in Egypt and he would steward all of Egypt's resources and, and he, would, he would answer for those things. In the New Testament, the word steward is rooted in the Greek word okonomos, which means the manager of a household. So to them, it wasn't a Christian word. It just meant you were a steward of a household. That household might have, you might uh, steward their money. You might steward other servants and workers in that house. You might steward their farms and, and how they labored. And so all of the, really the household affairs from cleaning it to chores and all those things, this person it was to steward it. So in the ancient Greek culture, they understood, I don't own this house. I don't own these resources. I'm just stewarding what my owner has. Uh, you can see this in the parable of the talent. So if you're one of those people where you're like, man, I gotta turn to somewhere in my Bible right now, go ahead and open to Matthew 25. Uh, we're gonna end up there. But what I wanna do is I wanna start in Genesis today and I wanna give us four principles that we're gonna learn that aren't original to me. I mean, these are just four principles that show up over and over and over in the Bible when it comes to stewardship. And they're probably in like 150 Christian books because they just show up everywhere. And I wanna just draw these principles out to you and I as we think about stewardship. And we're gonna start in Genesis and we're gonna work our way to the New Testament. So here we go. Principle number one on stewardship is the principle of ownership. 
the principle of ownership. In Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is creator. All the verses will be on the screen so you can just write things down and, and we'll eventually get to, uh, to Matthew 25 and the parable of talents. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it. So he's created all things. And so as a result, everything is, is his because he created it. He made those things. There's a, this shows up over and over in the Bible. Psalm chapter 24, verse one says, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. So everything that is created and everything in the world, it all belongs to God. You see, God is not only the creator of it, he is the owner of it. And this is why we get to principle number one and we start with ownership. Because many of you, you, you get off when it comes to stewardship. You've missed it in the idea of stewardship because you have placed yourself in ownership of things. You've made yourself the owner. And so as a result, now you have made yourself the Lord of your life. And so now because you have everything, your idea of stewardship is something like this. I own everything, but God gets 10% of what I have. And so you're like, man, you're giving, you're like, there God, this is yours, like, I'm gonna give you that. And God's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm not asking you for 10%. Let's go ahead and make this sermon series really easy for you. If you struggle with tithing, we'll just make it really easy. Hey, God's not asking for your 10%. He's asking for 100%. He's not asking for your salary. He's asking for your life. He doesn't want what you have. He wants you. He already owns anything you have. It was never yours in the first place. You're not the king of kings or the Lord of lords. He is, he created it and everything in it, and it's all for him. See, he's not only the creator, he's the creator and the owner. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says it this way. He is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's all his. Everything that is made and has ever been made, everything that is created that we see and we even don't see, it is all created by him and it's all created for him. He is the owner of it. So we start with this first principle, understanding that you are not the owner, you are the steward. He is the owner, he is king, he is Lord, and this is a struggle for some of you right now. You're like, hang on. No, that's my Xbox. <laughs> Like that is my PlayStation I just got for Christmas. Well, that's the problem. You have made yourself Lord and so, man, you own that thing. Yeah, that's my gaming computer. Like what are you talking about? I own this thing. That is my house. That is my place of refuge. Well, you wanna start following Jesus, then you understand he is the Lord. It's his home. So everything that you do and say and everything you operate within that house, it is his. And I'm, I'm called to steward that. And this is, this is God's computer, this is God's laptop, this is God's Xbox and PlayStation, and I'm called to steward that. These are God's people, God's friends, God's relationships, and I'm called to steward those. This is God's time, and any time that I've been given, it's a blessing from God, and I'm called to steward time. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said it this way, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment, it is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his own already. 
You could work all day forevermore and there's nothing that you're gonna give God that's not already is. I think about this with my kids. Uh, they go in, in my room and they'll take my pen and take my paper and they'll take our glue and they'll find something in our house and then they'll recreate it and bring it back to me and Luke and his old cute self like, Daddy, I made something for you. I'm like, awesome, thank you. You just cut up my socks and I created this face puppet, but it's awesome. And he took what was mine and refashioned it and then brought it to me as a gift. This is who we are to God. He is the owner, he is the creator, and everything that we will ever do is only a refashioning and a repurposing of bringing something to him as the owner. He is the owner. So principle of ownership, secondly, is a principle of responsibility. The principle of responsibility. In Genesis chapter one, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but then we move through this created order, all these things that he's creating. He says this in Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. This is talking to Adam and Eve. He says, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Indeed, evening came and then morning, and then the sixth day. This is the principle of responsibility. He created Adam, he created Eve, and then he gave them responsibility. I've now given you every animal created, every seed-bearing plant, every bird of the air, every fish in the water, it's all yours, and now I'm gonna give you a task of what you're supposed to do with that. He moves on to Genesis chapter two, and he says this in verse 15. The Lord God took the man, and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. This is the role of responsibility. He says, I've given you everything. You have all of it, I've given you all of it, and now I'm gonna place you into the garden to work it and to keep it. The word work it is to kibosh. I love that word. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible. Think about it, kibosh, kibosh, kibosh. See, when he created the garden, it was perfect in that there was unity between God and all created things. But it was not perfect in that it was finished. He had work for Adam and Eve to do. There was a labor for them to go about. They were to take creation and to work it and to, to, to worship God and follow him and to fill the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth with worshipers of God who would obey him and, and take creation and bring it to God for his glory. You see, God delegated work and a task to his creation. He created us, he breathed life into us, and then he gave us a task. Go to work and to bring this to me as worship. He gave them a work to do as a steward to manage that which belongs to God. God who graciously has entrusted us with the care and the development and the enjoyment of everything he owns as his stewards, we are responsible to manage his holdings well and according to his desires and purposes. We are stewards of that. Here we are today, thousands of years later, with the same task, to be good stewards of all that God has given us and to worship and obey him, to be fruitful and multiply. 
and to fill the earth with worshipers of God and to use every created thing God has given to us for his glory and his renown. It is for his desire and purposes. Let me ask you this really quick. How do we know our creator and our owner's desires and purposes? This is where many of you are off today. You don't know his, our owner, our creator. You don't know his desires and purposes because you're not spending time in his word. Think about it. If you go to work, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing? How does the owner, how, how do you know what the owner wants you to do? He tells you, he speaks to you. And God has spoken to us through his word. And the more we spend time in the word, we get to know his will and his desires and what he wants of us. And we become better stewards of all that we have knowing what he wants and how we can live that out. This is the principle of responsibility. Everybody listen to what I'm about to tell you. We are all responsible for what we do with what we're given. There is nobody here who has not been given something. One, if you can hear me, you have life, you have breath. You say, well, I don't have as much as so-and-so, but you still have something. We will all be held accountable. And that's the next principle, the principle of accountability. The principle of responsibility comes that we have been given work and a task and a purpose. You were created for a reason. And now in that, we're gonna be held accountable that we are doing what God has called us to do. Luke 16, 10 says, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. We're called to be faithful from the little things to the many things that we have, to be good stewards of those. This moves us to the parable of the talents. Parable of the talents, really the story kind of tells it itself. Let me read it to you. It says this in Matthew chapter 25. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who'd received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, Master or Lord, you have given, uh, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man who had two talents also approached. He said, master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man who'd received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is, see, you have what is yours. He gives him the one. The master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And I, I would have received money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who has more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now listen to it. And throw this good for nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we hear this story and we're like, whoa. That took a pretty radical turn. I mean, we got two guys who do right 
and we have one who out of fear, out of anxiety, out of worry, he just buries it. And then as a result, the master comes back and says, you lazy, good for nothing servant. You did absolutely nothing what I gave you. You're gonna be thrown out to the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now you hear this story and it ends with this unbelievable shock value on purpose. It's meant to be eye-opening to you and I because the Bible is full of biblical truth that teaches us that we will all be held accountable, that we will all give an account one day. He says that he gave and they had to give an account to their master or their Lord. Every person in this place will give an account for your life. You will give an account to what you've been given. Whether you feel like you're the 10 or the two or the one, that's not the point. Let me just say this just as a side note. I think this is an eye-opening statement for a lot of churches that I know. And maybe even some believers that I know. You see, you would say, I am a Christ follower. He is my Lord and he is my savior. But out of fear of failure, out of fear of not succeeding, out of a fear of not wanting to change, out of a fear of, of difficulties or worries, you say, you know what? Man, I'm just gonna bury what I've got and let's just keep what we have and not risk it all to go for it. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, you know what? You evil, lazy worker, I, you're in trouble because you wasted it. Like you, you gambled it away or you irresponsibly spent it. You know what he said? You just simply did nothing. See, some of you are here and today, if you were held accountable for what happened in 2019, you might fall in that category. When it comes to him being Lord of your life, you making disciples who make disciples, you sharing the good news of the gospel, you living and following Christ, man, it, it, let me, that might be a big question for you. If you were to stand before the Lord today, what would you hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or you lazy, good for nothing servant, it's time for you to be cast into the fire. Hear me, let me tell you the greatest resource I believe we are not stewarding well today. It's not money, it's not time, it's people. It's people. There are over 20,000 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention and every single week churches are dying because there are more people in the pews or watching online who expect the work of the ministry to be done by somebody else and Jesus saved you. He has filled you with his spirit. He has called you to the task of making disciples to the ends of the earth. You are the laborer that he has given the talents to. You are the kingdom of God. You are the church. Romans 14 says it like this in verse 10. But you who do, why do you judge your brother and your sister? Or why do you despise your brother and your sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue, every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. After first service, one of our senior adults came up to me and said that they heard this man tell the story of, of his greatest fear. He said his greatest fear is that he would, he would die and he would get in line to give an account to God. And when he get in line that he would be standing behind Billy Graham. <laughs> 
And then Billy Graham is a famous evangelist who led thousands upon thousands, maybe millions of people to the Lord. And, and he said his greatest fear was not only that he would be standing behind Billy Graham, but that Billy Graham would stand before the Lord and he would hear the Lord say, you should have done more. See, the truth is we are called to be faithful and to be good stewards of what we got. I don't know all that you have. I don't know every gift that you have, but I can tell you this. I promise you this. In 2020, in Shirley Hills, if just every member, every person that makes up Shirley Hills just said, dear God, I just wanna be a good steward of what you've given me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to, at the end of 2020, to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, here I am, use whatever I have. What will we do with what has been given to us? What about with your time, your gifts, the power, the people that God has given us? You know, I often find myself praying, dear Lord, continue to, to give us the people that you want to accomplish your mission. And often I feel like the Lord is saying, absolutely, but I'm still waiting for the people that I have given you to put their yes on the table and to say, dear God, use whatever I have for your glory. I wanna steward well. We wanna pray that every person in middle Georgia comes to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, amen? But he's gonna use you to do it. He's gonna use you to do it. And so God help us, this is, a, this is a, a principle of accountability. We will all be held accountable to what we have done with what we have been given, power, jobs, money, resources, influence, all these things. We will give an account for using all that we have for the glory of God. This is not one foot in and one foot out. This is saying, Jesus, I wanna be a good steward of all that you've got. I don't wanna be the guy that has one. Lord, help me to multiply all that we've got. And then we get to the last principle. This is the principle of reward. The principle of reward. Man, I love this. In Matthew 25, verse 21, when we're reading the parable of the talents, he says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now here's the reward. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. And God is a good father who loves us and he desires to bless us. And a reward is coming for those who labor for the kingdom of God. Uh, let me just say this to, to some of our senior adults that might be in the room or some who might be watching online. Some of you have followed Jesus longer than I've been living. You have served God faithfully and there's no doubt in my mind, some of you, you are gonna hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I mean, it's gonna be uh, amazing. Daryl Skinner, man, I love you, brother, man. You're, you, you serve God behind the scenes and you labor and uh, no, I didn't just put him in the senior adult category. I just said, it's, it's one of my men who are faithfully serving, who loves the Lord. There's so many of you who serve behind the scene and you love God and, and here's, the, here's the temptation, okay? So hear what I'm about to say. The temptation can be the older that you get and the more faithful you've served over time is that you can feel forgotten. You can feel like, man, I, I helped lay the foundation of Shirley Hills and, and we are here because of how God used your work and, and your labor and now as you get older, maybe people don't visit as much and you don't get to be as social as much and you can feel forgotten. But here's what I wanna remind you of. God doesn't forget a thing. You're not serving for us. You're not serving for people. You are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Are you ready? But here's what follows this. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. So if you get a applause or a praise from anyone else, that's not our reward. 
Our reward is that we faithfully serve Jesus over and over. Pastor Jason talked about this last Sunday, that you just keep serving Jesus and leading people to Christ and disciple the Savior, and you just keep doing what God's called you to do. And I promise you, one day you will stand before the King of Kings who has never missed a single good deed you've done in his name. And the reward in heaven is far greater. What's the Bible tell us? He says, naked we came into this world with nothing that we came and we will leave with nothing. I heard the quote that Alexander the Great, by the time he was 33, he had conquered the known world. 33 years old, he conquered the known world. There's one thing he couldn't conquer though and that was alcohol. It just had dominated him his whole life. And when he got ready to die, he asked them, he said, look, I want you to bury me. And when you bury me, I want you to put my hands outside of the casket. People are like, why would we do that? He said, because I want people to know that I came into this world with absolutely nothing and I will leave it with absolutely nothing. You see, all the things that we try to obtain and work for in this world will not go with us. But everything we do for the name of Jesus, it'll last. That is what will carry over it. That is what is important. And so there's a, a principle of a reward. What we do for the kingdom of God, how we labor for him, how we obey him and trust him, those things, man, God sees and he knows those. So we, we wanna steward well, knowing, looking unto heaven. Aren't you thankful this isn't our home? Man, more and more every day, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I mean, I praise the Lord. We don't have to worry about wars and rumors of wars. There's coming a day where there's gonna be peace and no tears and, and heaven is gonna be great. But until we get there, we wanna steward well knowing what's coming. So let me give you this in conclusion. Let's kind of wrap up all of this and put it in kind of one basket. Stewardship defines our practical obedience in the administration of everything under our control. Everything that is entrusted to you. How are you administratively shepherding and stewarding those things under your control? It is the consecration of, of ourself and our possessions to God's service. Stewardship acknowledges in practice that we do not have the right of control over ourselves or over our property or over any of our things. We're saying, you are Lord. I have no right over these things. You can give and you can take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You are king and you are Lord. And so God, I just wanna steward or manage all of this that belongs to you. And we are under his constant authority as we administer his affairs for his namesake. So faithful stewardship, it means that we fully acknowledge that we are not our own, but we belong to Christ, our Lord and Savior. Therefore, because he gave himself to us, he is our Lord and now everything we have is to him and unto him. So here is the ultimate question is this, am I the Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? Who is reigning supreme? Who is king? In essence, stewardship expresses our total obedience to God as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, this is my total obedience unto you. I wanna be completely faithful. So here's a few questions that we can end with today. Number one, do you know what God expects of you in each area of your life? Do you know what God expects of you in each area of your life? Do you know what God expects of you as a parent, as a friend? as a church member. That's one of the most common questions I'm asked when people come to Shirley Hills. Hey, what do you expect of me? And I always turn around, what do you think Jesus expects of you? I don't know. Well, go get in the, let's go get in the word and come back to me. What does Jesus expect of a church member? As a husband, as a wife, as a son, a daughter. What does God expect of us? If you don't know the answer, 
then I wanna challenge you in 2020 to put those questions at the feet of Jesus and get into his word and ask him, Lord, daily, I'm gonna get in your word and I wanna know what your will and your desire is in every area of my life. Because Lord, by getting in your word and knowing you, I can better steward all that you've given me. Secondly, if you stood before God today, what would he say? If you stood before the Lord today, hey, none of us are promised tomorrow. So if we were standing before God today, what would he say to you? I know it's the desire of my heart to, to hear well done, my good and faithful servant. But if I'm honest, there's probably some areas, uh, there's some areas that I think in 2020, the Lord wants me to do a better job of stewarding. And I wanna do that. As a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a pastor, Lord, help me to grow in these areas that I can better steward these for the glory of God. I mean, what would he say to you? So thirdly, let me ask you this. What areas then do you need to ask God's forgiveness and move forward in faithfulness? I mean, some of you are here today and, and God's been telling you the whole service. You've been thinking the whole time. He's been telling you these areas that you need to get right. Here's what I can tell you. I cannot fix what went wrong in 2019. Nobody can. Nobody in this room can like wind the clock back and redo 2019 or 2018 or 2017. But what I can tell you is we have an opportunity to steward well in 2020. We have an opportunity to go to God and ask for his forgiveness and, and ask and he's faithful and just to forgive us and now to begin to walk in faithfulness. Have you not been faithful as a steward in different areas of your life? Well, let's go to the Lord right now. Let's not delay, let's not wait for tomorrow. Let's go today and say, okay, God, here it is. You know this, forgive me of this. Now help me, God, to walk forward in faithfulness. Will you guys bow and pray with me? Lord, today, I just help us to be found faithful as a church body, as a church family. Lord, we wanna be fully surrendered to you. Help us to have a fully surrendered life. Not one foot in and one foot out. Lord, the, well, I, I think that this is what we're missing. There's, Lord, the church, the family of God is full of, of people who are missing the opportunity to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, I pray that you would send a revival to the church. Lord, and even in my own heart, that we would steward well all that you've given us. Help us not to focus so much on the 10% that we miss that you want all of everything. Help us to be good stewards. Lead us in this, all, Lord, for you. That the name of Jesus would be known to the ends of the earth because we become stewards of all that you've given us. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. I wanna ask you guys to stand with us. We believe when the gospel is preached, we have an opportunity to respond to that. Maybe you're here today and man, the Lord is like, he hit us. Man, the Lord's just pounding your heart and you just need to pray. Our altar is gonna be open. We're gonna sing. We'd love for you to come and pray. Our pastors will be down front. You know what? We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you got some, you just have a prayer request. We'd love to pray with you. Altar's open. You got some coming just a moment. Or maybe you're here and the Lord's been telling you that this is the church that you need to be a part of. Man, come on down. We'd love to help you join our church and become a part of the family of God at Shirley Hills. But you know what? I bet you that there's some of you who are here, what the Lord is really hitting you on is you can't be a steward without first him being Lord of your life. Maybe some of you, you've tried to make him your savior, but you don't want him to be the king of your life. So you've asked him to get you out of hell, but not to be the one who leads you and rules and reigns in your life today. And what Jesus is saying to you right now is, hey, listen, come to me, come to me. Put your faith and trust in me and let me save you from the inside out. And then as I become the king of your life, watch how everything else begins to fall in place. Man, we're gonna sing together. We're gonna praise the Lord. Our pastors will be down front. We'd love to help you. You respond.